Welcome to episode 87 of the Book Wars Pod. I'm Miranda, here with Chris and Kristen, uh, and we're doing, ep- or fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing Battlefront, colon, Twilight Company, chapters 8 through 20. You did it. Thanks, Mom. That's it. That's the intro. <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> What's up, Chris? How you doing? Unsupervised pod part two. Oh, I'm tired, man. I know. Fuck this. It's Monday again. Uh, today was an extremely long Monday, and then I took myself out to dinner, which is great. I went to the Tex-Mex place that I tried to go to last night without fucking remembering that it's goddamn Cinco de Mayo, and so there was like a 45-minute wait for a table. Yeah, that'll happen. That didn't happen today, did it? It was fine, wasn't it? No, today it was totally fine. Um, (laughs) And so I went and I treated myself to enchiladas and they were delicious. And now I'm really fucking full. Okay, so we just need to make sure you're awake during this podcast. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Well, don't worry. I poured myself tequila, so that should help. Tequila. What kind of tequila are you drinking, Dad? Uh, I'm drinking that really nice Blanco that I think I've had on the pod before, uh, but that we got in Mexico from Mm -hmm. uh, Distilleria La Fortaleza. Oh, so fancy. Yum. It's delicious. It, I, I, according to the internet, they sell it in the States. I just need to find it because Virginia is garbage. So yeah. And I'm sure it's hella expensive to find it somewhere if it's actually good. I mean, it's probably pretty expensive, but nobody actually like knows what tequila does. So like, it's not rum, but Mm -hmm. it's a great point. Um, Miranda uh, you have two Maryland koozies with your two beers and in them. You're a trash person. Um, do you want to tell the people what you're drinking? Yeah, I also have a Maryland bottle opener to uh, deal with this. So I hate you so much. Jesus, do you do you bathe in Old Bay? I wish. It's a little gritty though. But we stand gritty on this pod. <laughs> I am drinking. <laughs> A beer that is not from Maryland. It is from Portland. It is Breakside <laughs> Brewing's True Gold. As you can probably surmise, it is a golden ale. Um, are there tasting notes? Nope. There sure are not, but I had one earlier, and it's very tasty. It's light and refreshing, and I quite enjoy it. They came in bottles, so I think the tasting notes are probably on the six-pack holder somewhere. That would make sense, but I... I'm not going to go find that. Nope. Um, I'm drinking cold snack, Montucky, because it's good and tastes a little bit sweet, like whatever. It's what Quinn bought at, <laughs> at Whole Foods. Respect. Um, nothing too exciting. Um, I can't stop drinking that knife beer that Miranda doesn't like that much. That um, is the only thing I drank on the pod last week. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. I think you did. Yeah, because I couldn't pronounce it. But anyway, I just keep getting it because I really, really like it. So whatever. I had one of those before the pod and now I'm just drinking Montucky. 
Do we have Fair. any official pod business? I don't think so. Literally, think so literally, either. where my head is at is like tumbleweeds are going through my brain, and I'm wondering if I want a beer after this. Ooh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with yes. I mean, I, I have, I have, literally, I have the only reason we have beer because, like, you know us, we don't have beer that often. Literally, the only reason I have beer is I have five out of a six pack of Negro Modelos in my fridge, which I only bought because I was cooking with them. I was like making a batch of bean, a match, a batch of uh, drunken beans, and so I needed beer to brew them in. Except then the beans came out really shitty, and so now they're just like really gross. So now oh, I just no. have the beer. Rip beans. Yeah, it was it was disappointing. That is disappointing. I blame um, the recipe. Yeah. Do you uh do you guys have one of those uh racks that you can put a chicken on with the beer can in it? Because we did that for the first time the other day and it was exciting and delicious. I'm sorry, I'm gonna need more details of what you're talking about. <laughs> um, there are the sorry, I've had like multiple I've had I've had one before, so I'm like, these are a cooking thing. No, they're not, they're a beer thing, I think. Um there are these little racks that you can get, um, and it holds a beer, which is goes inside the chicken, and as 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 one does, yes. Um, and the chicken stands up, and then you roast the chicken, and it's a beer can chicken, and it makes it all moisty and delicious. Yeah, that still isn't helping me. I'm gonna be dead honest with you, but regardless, it sounds great. I'll send you the link. Okay. You guys would like it because it's it's easy. You can just do it with like whatever beer you have in the fridge. Okay, and that I stick, respect that. You just stick the and well and you know we stand a whole chicken on this pod because they're cheap and mm-hmm. have a lot of food. Yep. So Miranda's laughing at me saying we stand a whole chicken, but whatever. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because all I can think of is. And then you put the beer up the chicken's butt. Yeah, then you put the beer up the chicken's butt and you roast the chicken. That's how that's how it works. That's how what? anything works. I'm I'm honestly more confused than before I asked for clarification. So thanks for that. Okay, so you know like when you oh, no. when you like stuff a turkey like yeah. at Thanksgiving, you like shove yes. everything up the turkey's butt. Yes. It's the same thing except you stick it upright. You stick the chicken upright on the beer can and you shove the beer can up the chicken's butt. So then the chicken looks like it's standing on... We did it like on the grill. You can do it in the oven, I think. Wait, this is a real manner of cooking chicken? Yeah, we did it the other day. Yes. Yeah, no, it's super lit. It's very tasty. It, it's like a did, thing. Did we... I... I'm... Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I got lost somewhere along the way if we switched topics or if we switched what we were talking about. I'm on a, I'm honestly just not sure at this point. No, that's uh I don't know. I was just telling you about beer can chicken. It's fine. I'm giving you permission to check your phone. I just sent you a photo. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Somehow the photo has helped him. But I mean, it's very How does that how does that cook though if the chicken's upright? Like how does that cook evenly? It cooks evenly cuz you roast it. It's fine. It does the thing that it does. It's just like cooking on its on its side. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm very skeptical. 
Okay, well, we made it the other day, and it was delicious, so. Okay, good. But, um, yeah, the one in the photo that I sent you does not have a stand, but they make it so that they have one that, like, has a stand, so you don't have to worry about tipping it over, <laughs> which is great. Okay, I think I think the stand is where I got confused, because when you started talking about it, it sounded like some sort of, like, kitchen object. It is. A kitchen object. <laughs> no, the the stand is. But then you started talking about shoving a beer up a chicken's ass, and I was like, "That's not an object. That's an activity." Oh, Porque no los bofa. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's let's just not talk Hunt about chickens. Let's, yeah. Was that an invitation for me to start talking? Miranda, you're the host. Oh, fuck. Um, so. Oh, God, I didn't write these plot points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, reading through this, it looks like there was one addition to my notes. You're rude. <laughs> <laughs> two, two additions to my notes. Did you not read this yet, Miranda? I went through it. God, you're the new Kristen. <laughs> Sorry. I read I read it and put LMAO with lots of O's mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone's dead. <laughs> oh, I missed that one. Okay. So that's three. Three notes. And I put how is Vader so scary? That was yes. also me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So uh a big thing I think in this section, um, which was chapters eighteen. 18- 8 to 20, I don't remember if I said that at the top, uh, was about uh, kind of the relationship between Namir and Chalice. Chalice? How do we pronounce her name? I've been going with Chalice in my head, but I'm open to debate on that. No, we'll roll with that. Um, And it's really interesting because they're in a lot of ways kind of similar. Uh, You know, they're both part of... The, uh... What are you laughing at? <laughs> I can see you tweeting. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Are you tweeting about shoving things up a chicken's butt? Yes. <laughs> what do you think? Kate's not here. We're having a supervised pod. This is true. And ironically, Kate would... Well, no, because they're not live chickens, so Kate would not enjoy the chicken talk, but... <laughs> so, uh... Namir and Chalice kind of are similar in the fact that neither are particularly um dedicated to the rebellion and obviously you know we see chalice do it because like she wants to not get dead by darth vader and she's willing to kind of do whatever she can to you know prevent that death and it just so happens that like reaching out to the rebellion and offering up like valuable intelligence on what the empire is doing um is kind of how she goes about that um and namir is just kind of we didn't really get to see too much more of his background but he seems like he just kind of fell into it like i'm not sure and i don't know if we'll see this later but it never seemed like an actual choice that he ever made yeah it's interesting do we know how... Oh my god, why am I always like this? Do we know how old he is when we first see him <laughs> in the beginning of the book? Fuck off. It's a legitimate question. Um, what do you mean by beginning? Of, like, I don't remember 
Like the first, the first like weird interlude of him becoming a war baby. Oh, so like when he's when he's young. Yeah, I think he's. I I interpreted him being like early to mid teenage years. Okay, that's what I thought too. So he's young as like he's young as fuck. In yeah, he's the like child soldier. Like in the yeah, yeah. I mean that also puts him like pretty young now too. He's just grizzled. Because, like, he's seen some shit. And they, like, touch on that in this section. I don't know if it was the section or the section before, but somebody, like, is asking about how long they've been doing shit and, like, how long he's been in the rebellion comes up. And they're like, um, aren't you, like, actually not very old? And he's like, yeah, funny thing. I've been fighting for forever or whatever. I'm misremembering that, but that that was the sentiment. Yeah, no, I I want to say he's now like late twenties ish. I could have made that up. I I thought he was a little closer to Luke and Leia because I mean, the we can obviously kind of debate how old he was in that first interlude, or I, th- I think it was the first chapter of the book. But I that, think it was. I that think was... that's why I'm like in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't that just like? 13 years after the Clone Wars? Uh, maybe. If you remember that, I trust you. I don't remember. Wait, I have, we can, I was gonna I have say, the book we've right got here. The book. We can look it up. But yeah, no, I mean, either way, like, he is pretty young, and we haven't seen kind of how he ended up with Twilight Company yet. I want to say that's coming at some point. Yeah, it's 13 years after the Clone Wars. Okay, so that's... 10 years. Yeah. Thereabouts. So, I mean, if he's like a mid-teen at the beginning, he could be mid-20s by the time we yeah. get to Hoth. Yeah, you're right. Agree. Man, time is crazy. Um, I know, right? <laughs> sorry for asking that. Uh, 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 uh. But I guess that was my way of saying we didn't um, we didn't get another one of those like interludes about one of the rebel or militia groups that he joined on his home planet or wherever the fuck. Um, but he almost gets dead a bunch of times. Yeah, he does. He's got yeah. a lot of weird cult shit going on on his home planet. Yeah. Back on Crucible. Yeah, there's. Everybody seems to have their own little cult, and then they just kind of go from cult to cult. So, I mean, I guess it, like, makes sense for him to join the Rebellion. Uh, Just because, like, it's another cause to not really believe in, especially if he's, like, seen a lot of them before. And I'm sure that's one of the things that he can kind of get disillusioned by, because everyone's like, we have this purpose, we have this whatever. And when he was growing up, it was like this is how we get food and protection and stuff. And now he's just like, oh yeah, some big, like greater good bullshit, whatever. Yeah. So we learn, but we learn more about Chalice in this section in that she puts on, it sounds like in her everyday, she puts on this affected accent and when she's actually keeping it 100, she, and she's talking to Namir, she has like kind of this back world you know, backwater planet mm-hmm. accent that that comes out. And, like, she basically, like, nails his background or, like, parts of his background. Um, 
which I know I'm supposed to just think that's interesting, and I do. So I'm sure we're going to find out more, but the, I liked the seeds that were planted. Yeah, totally. I mean, it is... It's funny because, like, he hates her so much, but, like, they are extremely similar in that they, like, come from this shitty background of, like, backwater worlds where, by all rights, they should have never even gotten off planet, but, like, they both just have, like, a very particular set of skills that allowed them to do so. She's, like, a logistics genius, and he is good at murder, so, like... This is how I feel about getting out of New Jersey. You're Are, good at murder? You're good at murder? Yeah. No, but okay. I just meant... Fuck off, both of you. <laughs> really glad me and Miranda were on the same page there. <laughs> I mean, it's New Jersey, so everybody's good at murder there. Um, But this... <sighs> is that a Sopranos joke? Is that... No, it's good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, this section, like, in seeing them kind of speak about these things and seeing her, uh, let her guard down a little bit around him makes me, like, way more invested in her character than I ever thought I would be because now there's so much I want to know. It's like, I want to know how she got to be, like, this master logistician working for the Empire on the run from Darth Vader himself, um... I hope we get to see a little bit of that in maybe a, a flashback interlude later. Uh, but it, if that is something that happens, I think it would provide an unexpected depth to her character. Miranda is a slut for logistics babies. <laughs> well, she's, <laughs> she's like, it's funny because she is like simultaneously every bit as like smart as she claims to be because she like created that whole like giant fucking map of how they're going to take down the empire but also not nearly as important as she thinks she is because she's like you found me at last darth vader and he's like bitch is your name skywalker i didn't think so <laughs> where is he yeet <laughs> well yeah well like if she was that important i think he would not have just yeeted her onto the ground like, he would have just killed her. Oh, I mean, I think... Yeah, uh, I, I... Wait, I'm sorry. Say that again? Um, I, so... thought, I thought I had it, and I realized I was missing, like, two very important words, so you could be saying one thing or the complete opposite <laughs> thing. <laughs> Chris, we're just using ye in a very, very uh, com complicated way. I'm Honestly, sorry. that wasn't even it. <laughs> no, I think, like... Like you said, I think she has an inflated sense of self-importance. Um, and, like, that's evident because if when Vader, like, is literally force-lifting and choking her uh, in Echo Base, like, screaming about Skywalker, if she was really important, he would have just killed her or, okay. like, taken her back or something. And he, instead, he yeeted her on the ground. Yes. Okay. That is that is what I thought you said. Um, no. I. Yeah. You're totally right. Like, he's like, you are so far below my pay grade. I literally don't even know who you are. <laughs> Must suck to suck. I know. It's like, it's it's almost like it's almost sad because like, the only thing that she has going for her, it seems like, is her like 
sense of importance and her sense of like accomplishment and helping build this like massive logistics net within the empire. And it's so funny because she's like, you put me on this backwater planet to be the governor. You've already tried to ruin my life. You're not going to ruin my life. And he's like, new phone. Who does? Right. Do you have any idea where the Skywalker boy is? (laughs) For the love. That's all I'm looking for. Thank you. Yep. Also, I loved the scene where she like slips back into her homeworld accent because A, because it reminds me of the scene in Rebels and Kate would know the episode title, but I do not. But it's the one where we meet Champs and Dula for the first time. Uh, and Hera is like arguing with him and as she's yelling, she like slips back into her Ryloth accent. Um, so it's like very, it's like very immigrant, like forced accent mentality. But also just in my head, it's just her slowly devolving from like, a crisp like proper english accent to just like a shitty cockney accent and it's glorious in my mind oh yeah we uh during may the 4th we just like had despite having all of the star wars movies on various media we just had tbs and tnt oh, yeah. on <laughs> as one does and we were just like literally sitting there. It was like ten o'clock in the morning on at West Coast HQ, and we, and the part where Leia comes in with the accent was on, and me and Miranda were just like losing our minds. It's like how many times have I seen that scene, and yet we both thought it was so funny. And I'm like, watch this part. She's gonna back into Darth Vader, and Miranda just is like, I don't understand why no one wants to watch these movies with us. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Honestly, it made me sad that I didn't have cable on may the 4th but then i just watched tfa and last jedi anyway so perfect yeah no we just have a we're you as everyone who listens to this pod knows we're a big sports house so we don't have cable we just got we have the youtube tv now so that has been treating us well nice honestly the only tv i pay for (laughs) the only tv i pay for is cbs all access for the twilight zone other fandoms is Twilight Zone a fandom? Does that count? Probably. Everything's a fandom. Everything's a fandom. Is somebody going to cosplay as Jordan Peele in a suit at the next Comic Con? I would not put it past. People. Honestly, that would that's, like that's that would, that would be, be like really fucking cool, badass. Like, That'd be amazing. I don't watch it, but I'm sure somebody would do it and it'd be like a really awesome one. And like, I don't know. Do it. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything else we want to say yeah. about... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Namir? we got off track. N- <laughs> Not us. Um, do we have anything else we want to say about Namir and w- what's her fuck governess? Um, I did a little bit. So, I, like... I don't know. It's it's Going back to Namir, it's just funny because, like, he is very, like, top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs guy. Like, he's like, do I have food? Do I have water? Do I have shelter? Literally everything else doesn't matter. And so like he. Like I feel like in his head he legitimately does think that the Empire and the Rebellion are the same thing. Like when he like gets beat up by those special forces dudes because he's like shitting on the Rebellion. Like when he's like. Yeah the Stormtroopers think that Darth Vader is awesome too. And like (laughs) he like just fundamentally doesn't understand the difference between like the you know rebellion and leia and mod mothma and whoever and like the empire which is just like avowedly tyrannical and it's just like 
it's an interesting perspective that we haven't seen particularly in the rebellion just because like nobody like goes to fight for a rebellion that you're almost certainly going to lose without like an ideological cause except this dude apparently yeah and i think that's why i'd be really interested to see how he ended up with the rebellion and like with twilight company because clearly he doesn't care enough about it to like seek them out i'm sure it just kind of happened one day uh and you know i think this might go back a little to what we were talking about last week where like he's just been fighting forever like in all these shitty battles um you know he's been fighting in shitty battles for the rebellion and all of his life and you know i think and i don't know if it's because he clearly saw a lot of like the cults and like whatever organizations before like they clearly either fell out of power or something happened to them where like he was not with them anymore uh i have to imagine he's like taking that kind of cynicism into the rebellion like you know these other things fell why won't this this Mm -hmm. is just doomed to fail against uh technologically logistically superior um enemy they got big ships got big ships and blasters that they're allowed to use more than like 10 times in their lives (laughs) but yeah also i just really fucking found it funny that when he's like trying to look for a kindred spirit who like doesn't believe in the rebellion even han thinks he's being an asshole (laughs) Well, yeah, this is like Han after he decided to come back during uh, A New Hope, right? I know this, this is, is uh... this is this is only like a week before like he and Leia finally make out. So like, you know, it is it is somewhat ideological Han at some point, but e- when even Han thinks that you're being an asshole in your lack of like faith in the cause, you should probably re-examine. <laughs> agree yeah i love how they were like this whiskey is terrible let's drink all of it (laughs) right like we have all been there alexander freed is just really good at writing this like military banter yeah i love the way this has been written so far it's like very engaging and i'm not usually one to enjoy um like the battle scenes in books that much which might be an unpopular opinion, but I think that he writes them very well and, like, it, it makes me feel like something, like, important is happening. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, me and Miranda were not talking off pod, so this is a hypothetical uh, conversation we had, but of we course, said the book was lit, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said this book is fucking lit, mm-hmm. theoretically. Well, I'm... I'm glad that you didn't actually talk about that off pod because those are the sorts of hard hitting insights that I do expect you to save for our weekly conversations. <laughs> but I I do agree. Lit AF. Lit AF. You know who's not lit AF right now? Chalice. You. Oh. Also me. <laughs> I am decidedly not lit right now. I'm just like sitting in the comfy chair. 
barely staying awake, wanting to sleep off this food coma. Yep. All right. I know we had a we had like a cheese feast before this. I understand. Um, How many different kinds of cheese did you have in said feast? It was not. It a was. Cheese it was feast. just one. There was one but, cheese. But, it was. I mean, it's okay. still a cheese feast. Okay. It's delicious. It was on is, sale is, for three is one is one cheese a feast though? No. All right, whatever. I thought it was a cheese feast. I don't Honestly, care. now I really ate all the cheese. I oh, really. <laughs> there was still cheese left. I I want I want to do a Twitter poll and ask our followers how much cheese, how many how many different kinds of cheese are required for a cheese feast. Except Kate would actually kill us. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That's Star Wars and pod related. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It's Star Wars if you put the word space in front of it. Oh my god. Space cheese. <laughs> space feast cheese. Space how many different kinds of cheese, etc. etc. <laughs> oh, I can't. You put space at the start of a sentence. And fucking kill us. Um uh, it's great. She has not listened to the last episode yet because she's like, How's the pod going? And I'm like, Oh, you clearly haven't listened yet. <laughs> It's mild and on topic, as always. <laughs> um, should we talk about how everybody be dying? Yo, everybody be dying. Everybody be dead. It's like all these, like, not major characters, because, like, Brand and Gadrin and Namir and barely Chalice are still alive. But, like, some very solid second tier characters are dead. Like, mm-hmm. very, very dead. Hal's dead. Yeah, it's like all of uh, all of Namir's friends are dead. Yeah, Hal didn't even get an on-screen death. LMAO. I know yeah. that was really funny though, but it's it's interesting. I couldn't like get a read on what Namir thought of him because I was like, he literally calls him Hal because he's like a dick, but also he's like super worried about him because he's Twilight Company. I know it's really interesting. I actually I like just as Miranda was talking five minutes ago, put like talking about how it's a topic for a future episode but we could do it here instead i mean yeah he's dead already so that's true let's, he's, he's not let's eat him he's right not going to get less dead <laughs> <laughs> factually correct um yeah, i was i was surprised to see him die this early i mean that's probably to be expected in a novel that is about war and a war where everybody fucking dies all the time but like he really, I personally think that Namir respected Hal. I don't think he agreed with him all the time. Um, but you know, he like you said, Chris, and he was like he seemed kind of worried about him. And I think, I and I could just be like extrapolating, but like Hal really had a lot of confidence in Namir, and I think that's important because like if he believes. If Hal believes in Namir, then, like, that says something about the relationship or some shit. Miranda does well with interpersonal conflict and uh, <laughs> things. Um, That's anyway. true. I've always known Miranda to be somebody who seeks out conflict, TBH. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think if we're talking about how... Um, I think his relationship with uh, Governor Whatserfuck is also really interesting because, like, first of all, when he be dying, she calls him by his first name, which is um, very romantic and yeah, they don't for. fuck. 
they they yeah, definitely they have fucked. Yeah, fucked. You can tell they're gonna fuck in the first scene where they're together. There, there's a shortage of there's a shortage of barracks on Hoth. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> sometimes, they're, sometimes they you to, need a roommate. They have to keep each other warm. It's fine. It's very cold there. It's it's very extremely cold. cold. Anyway, what's his first name again? Misha. Me. <laughs> so he is he is Russian. My Russian angel. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that was weird. First of fucks because you were like, yeah, she is gone. And then she shows the fuck up later, and you're like, what the f- what the- what? What? <laughs> Did not expect that from her, because she's kind of a shit. I know, right? But she was like, gotta keep that dick alive. She failed, but... Yeah, very very dead dick at this point. Yeah. Extremely she dead was like, dick. <laughs> she was very concerned about him being safe, too. Like, I don't... Now that we've just talked about them fucking for a couple minutes, uh, it's distracted me from their actual relationship. Which uh, was like fucking. Pro- professionally. <laughs> Are you implying that they didn't fuck Miranda? Oh, no, I'm sure they did. But like. It was very professional fucking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like she's serving a purpose to the rebellion by providing them with information on, you know, all the logistics shit she knows. But I guess this is just going to turn out to be about them fucking. Like, why did she care so much that he was getting out of Hoth alive? Because like they they've been planning and they've been strategizing and shit, but. I don't know. Maybe we'll get more of that later. Heavy air quotes around planning and strategizing. <laughs> <laughs> Added by me just now with my voice. Um, but but Kristen, was it was it professional fucking or was it business casual fucking? Is the real question. <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. We should we should ask Leia about this because she was probably like, yeah, I could tell as soon as I was in the room with those two, they had been deaf fucking. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's so good at reading people. <laughs> Honestly, that is that is. That is Leia's force power, flying through space and being able to tell instantly who in the room is fucking. (laughs) Where's the lie, though? (laughs) I like to think that even if Kate were not in Greece, she would agree with that sentiment. (laughs) I think I, you know what? I think it's canon. I think it's canon that Kate would agree. That's, yeah. (laughs) Yes, it's canon that Kate would agree. Exactly. Um, Um, But... No, I I definitely think that Namir and Hal's relationship is like interesting, and it's like it's almost a weird point of view thing to me because, you know, you have all the different Twilight soldiers are like they love Hal, like they'll follow him anywhere. Like Brand, who is like even more cynical than Namir, is like, yeah, I like quit my bounty hunting life and joined an idealistic cause for Hal, and like that's weird. But then like Namir is like, he's crazy and he gets people killed, so like. To me, the disconnect is that, like, I think that they're saying the same thing, but Namir just has different goals. Like, I feel like, kind of like how we're talking about, like, Namir doesn't actually give a shit about the outcome of this war. He just, like, needs somewhere to sleep, some food to eat, and some people to murder because that's the only thing he's good at. Whereas Hal is actually like, no, we have a mission and we need to accomplish things and, like, if I need to sacrifice 10 more people so that an extra, you know, ship in the fleet can escape, I'm going to do that because that's my mission. And so I feel like that is like why Namir kind of hates him because Namir's only like North Star is like 
keeping himself and other people alive because that's just how he grew up. Yeah, and I think I think that Hal's like dedication to the actual rebel cause is definitely something that factors in, but I'm also wondering like what kind of leaders Namir has been working with in the past? Crazy cult leader ones. Yeah, I mean he's he's been through enough that they're definitely not master strategists, I'll put it that way. Yeah, and it's just like I wonder if you know, I don't want to just assume things about all of the, the folks who've led his little organizations before, but it all seems kind of tyrannical and cult-like. And I wonder if, like, that's just what he knows and maybe he thinks that they fell for other reasons, that, you know, they just weren't strong enough or were technologically inferior or what and then he like meets Hal who's idealistic and whose people will actually like love him for that and not because he gives them food and shelter and he just like doesn't know what to do about it if that makes sense mm-hmm. yes what do you think Chris no I definitely think that's it I think it's that Hal makes him uncomfortable because Hal's method of success is like diametrically opposed to Namir's method of success and he doesn't but also Hal is like clearly good at his job and Namir doesn't know how to handle that me and Miranda just both went diametrically opposed foes yes off of the (laughs) off mic because we hate Hamilton um (laughs) yeah there these are some of it's interesting because I don't feel like we have a ton of background about any of these folks yet, but I'm more invested in a lot of these characters than I've, I think been in star Wars books past just because the stakes are so fucking high and like the little peppering in of original trilogy stuff that has happened. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I know that thing. I know that thing. Right. (laughs) And it's fucking crazy. I'm like, why do I care so much about these little shits? And I will say that's like, one of the things I really love about this, because I, I really like, uh, and I may have spoken about this on uh, maybe the Empire's End wrap-up, like, I love learning things that we don't already know about things that we know so much about, like Battle yeah. of Jakku, like how it unfolded and all of that. And so I really enjoy it when we have books that don't show, uh, like, the main characters from the films and such that we're used to. But, it, like, when I figured out that Namir was talking to Han, I was like, oh, oh, it's Han. It's Han. So exciting. Look at them. They're having fun. They're drinking whiskey. And, like. They're having something. Eh. Close enough. But it, it's just, I think it it speaks to how um, good alexander freed is at writing that he can just kind of weave that in and have it be like not a big deal at all yeah totally this book gives me like oh my god it's hard yep this book gives me very like lost stars vibes in that way Mm -hmm. because like i feel like the reason we care so deeply about these people is because like they could actually die at any moment whereas that is not usually the case in star wars books like You know, we know that in Last Shot, neither Han nor Lando is going to die, nor Chewie. Like, we know that, you know, anytime you have any of the big characters, 
they're probably not going to die. Like, this isn't Game of Thrones. The main character is not going to die in the middle of it. Like, so, like, I feel like that, like, makes us more attached. And, like, you know, obviously we were very attached to Thane and Sienna. And, like, now we're attached to these characters. And, like, because, like, you were saying where there's actual stakes, like, it definitely does feel like that. And also, like, the fact that, you know, we could be seeing people in the background of the movies that we love. Like, that, that could be these people, and they could be dead, and we just, we have no way to know. And I feel like there's just something, something in, like, fitting in those, like, edge puzzle pieces that's just really satisfying. Yeah, like, when, it really fucked me up. I knew they were all going to die, but that part where, uh, what is it, like, D outpost or whatever the fuck on Hoff, and, like, they all basically fucking die, except for, like, three people. Yeah, where it was like, it took 10 seconds for the plane to go south. Yes. Like, that's great. That that and the part where Beak was literally cut in half by Darth Vader, was uh, well, those, yep. were, those were chipper. You hate to see it, folks. That is going to put him on the DL for sure. <laughs> I mean, Spider-Man. Spider oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, except, except he, cut him in he cut him in half long ways, though. That's the way you got to do Ugh. it. I know. I yeah, mean, really, very it was Obi-Wan's rookie mistake. That is so true. Can Obi? Um, Padawan, Padawan mistake, am I right? Padawan mistake. And, like, it's, you know, obviously we already talked about it with Hal dying, which is, like, he's the big one. But, like, we also see Ajax, who we met, like, Fectrin, who we met, Calendar, who we, like, heard about. And, like, all these people are, like, very accomplished like they're not rookies they're like they were like squad leaders and they're dead yeah and i think like ajax is the one death that probably surprised me most and again kind of like how like i don't know why i didn't expect this in the book about war but uh the first section that we read really built him up as like the veteran who's like been through everything he's seen everything uh he's very capable and like you feel comfortable going into the field with him and then it's just like, nope, he died on the ship. Walked over his body. Just like everybody else. Fuck. Yeah. For me, the brutal moment was like when they get uh, like they get the hyperdrive parts and they get Chalice back to the ship and the order comes in and it's like five minutes and you leave. And then like Namir relays that and like half of the people just like realize there's just no possible way for them to make it back and it's like well guess i'll literally die oh yeah that that part stressed me out so much because like i don't know how big the ship they were on was but like five minutes is not a lot of time mm -hmm. especially when you're fighting fucking stormtroopers everywhere like that'll uh that'll delay your progress a little bit and again i think that's one of those sections that was very well written um, and I think if I recall correctly, like from Namir's point of view, um, I was like, okay, in 30 seconds, he had reached this place. It's like, this is who we ran into 30 seconds later. And like, these are the decisions that are happening in, you know, just like split seconds in the five minutes they have to get back to the ship. Mm -hmm. And it, it was very high stakes and you could tell. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's like, the other thing that just really struck me was like, the the funeral scene, where like, no matter how, 
long you'd been with Twilight, you got one person to say one thing about you, and then your power pack was drained. And like that's and like the 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 quote that I think was at the end of that chapter was like in death all soldiers are equal, and that was just like fuck man just just fuck me up, because it's like it's so true and it's there's like a very there's a very Rogue One vibe to it, mm-hmm. and like everyone is expendable like all the hero you like great they're dead now like that's awesome find a new hero great they're dead too like hope you're having hope you're having fun because the universe sure is like and we talked to if you missed last episode for whatever reason i don't know why you'd be listening to this if you didn't listen to the first one Um, yeah and like honestly the podcast at all and honestly Um, if you don't listen to every episode like how dare you chris (laughs) (laughs) um Anyway, but last episode we talked about how like this really set the scene for Rogue One and I asked Chris about which one came out first and blah blah blah. Um, but like seriously, I'm getting so many so like it the Rogue One vibes are continuing for sure. And I think part of that too is like you know, obviously Rogue One was all about well, this is how we got the plans for the Death Star and like everybody dies because, you know, the Death Star fucking blew up Scarif and then they just kind of have to move on. And I think we see that generally in this book, but also specifically uh, in that funeral scene, Chris, that you were talking about. It's, you know, some of them have been with Twilight Company for a long time. And obviously, you know, Ajax and Fekron were very uh, well respected. But at the end of the day, like they're dead you drain their power packs you move on to the next day because that's what you have to do in this rebellion yeah for sure also i just who who was the leader that they met that was like oh it was like the guy who was head of hoth or whatever the fuck and he was like please don't think that it's lost on me that we just keep making you guys do really fucked up shit over and over again and then you come back and then we make you go do more fucked up shit Mm -hmm. we're gonna keep doing that sorry gotta go <laughs> yeah the, the general general what's his fuck <laughs> classic general what's his fuck i also loved that namir was like i can't figure out what your angle is and it's making me uncomfortable <laughs> yeah see also namir doesn't trust anybody and does not feel comfortable with positive reinforcement i was gonna say much like myself namir does not feel comfortable taking a compliment <laughs> big mood but yeah, I also just love that this book like just shows really underscores how badly the rebellion is fucked right now. Oh yeah. Like because like I feel like and this isn't a criticism of Empire, but I feel like a lot of times it does not fully come across how bad shape the rebellion is in. Cuz like, you know, like the crawl starts, it's a dark time for the rebellion. But then like you know, you see them, they have this big giant base, you know, you see Han, Luke, and Leia all together, they're having fun, how bad could it be? Luke's in a diaper, it's it's a great party. I'll see you in hell, Chris. <laughs> no, but like, the Rebellion straight up lost the Battle of Hoth. Yeah, no, that, and that also doesn't come through in Empire, I don't think, like, because we only we get don't... Luke's perspective of like, well, didn't die, made it to my X-Wing. Yeah, and like everybody gets, you know, the main players get out, but they took a big fucking L there. Yeah. Like that was it did it did not end well at all. 
but I think this gives us a little more insight into how bad it really was. Because they're like, everything is fucked. Everybody's dead. Darth Vader's here, just like, yeeting fucking Imperial defectors around. It's not good. Yeah, there's... They've been, yo. They've been. There's there's a sense of hopelessness in this book that Mm -hmm. you never get from the original movies, which, you know, is by design. They're movies about hope, like... Again, this is, you know, they sure are, baby bird. Um, Like, this is this is by design. It's not a criticism, but they're very different stories. And like, when you see Namir like trying to get up and being like, "Well, that's my rib. That's that doesn't feel like it's supposed to." Like, you like you are uh, like, no, like literally, how is anybody supposed to live through this? Mm -hmm. And also, um kick flipping off of that um (laughs) (laughs) you know that that's the same scene where he's just like going through this very long hallucination and he's like am i dreaming or like did this actually happen yeah and it's that's just like piling onto kind of a lot of the trauma that we've already seen in this book like they they had the hallucinations on clarity but this one is like is this person dead or not? Did I see this person get sliced in half by Darth Vader, who is apparently actually terrifying, unlike what I thought before? Yeah. Also, can I just say really quick, like, I loved kind of the scene where Vader was on Echo Base, if only for Namir to, like, get to see him. And because we talked about this last episode. Namir doesn't know who the fuck Darth Vader is. He doesn't care. He, like, sees the bus and is like, oh, okay, whatever. And people uh, talk about how scary he is, and he's like, oh, okay, whatever. And then Vader shows up on Hoth, and Namir's just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? Like, he has that force field now? What is this, like, laser blade thing he's got going on? We'll use the force. <laughs> That's not how the force works, Kristen. Um, but no, totally. And like, and like, he's like, I think I was hallucinating. I know some people died, but I'm pretty sure I saw a grenade move in midair and somebody gets sliced in half by a laser blade. And I know that those two things aren't possible. <laughs> so it, yeah, it's, and it just adds to that terror. And yeah, this scene is just very Darth Vader on the profundity at the end of Rogue One vibes, which is, say, which is my favorite Vader. Of, it's very reminiscent of the beginning or the end of Rogue One. For sure. I just, I will never forget how I felt when I saw that for the first time in the movie theater. <laughs> that was just the coolest thing I've ever seen. The coolest and most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. Does that cover us? I think it does. To talk about? No. This was, a, this was a lot of plot movement forward as the middles of the, the these books often are. Um... Uh, can I just throw in, like, one quick aside? No. Yeah, of course you okay. can. Brand is a fucking badass. She just yeeted herself into space. Yeah, she did. <laughs> to, like, slide down a fucking mail chute or whatever it was. Yes, space mail chute. That's absolutely <laughs> what it was. Yeah. No, Brand is, Brand is amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. Nor snow. <laughs> 
nor, nor a covert mutiny. Or, you know, vast emptiness of space. The mail will still come. <laughs> I don't think it will. <laughs> I just want you to know how deeply I hate you, Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. All right. Well, there's no better way to end it than that. So thank you for tuning in. <laughs> To episode 87 of the Book Wars pod. We'll be back next week continuing our discussion of Battlefront Twilight Company by Alexander Freed, uh, talking about chapters 21 through 29. In the meantime, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag unsupervisedpod, Facebook, Instagram, and <laughs> Tumblr at Book Wars Pod, and bookwarspod at gmail.com if you want to email us. And re- review and subscribe to us and the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. Don't forget what we said last week. We're going to be giving away shit from Star Wars Celebration any day now. We're just waiting for Kate to come back so that she can have a say in like picking a winner and what we're doing. But if you there's it ain't going to hurt your chances to review us. I'll say that. So leave us a review, particularly on iTunes. It helps people discover the show and helps us get the word out about this trash-tastic hobby that we have. And it's the best. Um, I am Snoke. <laughs> sure are. You sure are, Snoke. In the meantime, donate to the Tashi Station Radio Patreon and give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. Really helps us cover our hosting and production costs. You all did get a picture of Porkchop on the Instagram over the weekend. So over maybe over the weekend. Yeah, I think over the weekend. Uh, so really, that one was a freebie. But if you wanted to retroactively give us coffee to you know help you and your fellow listeners deserve it, we certainly wouldn't say no. Our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joby Terror Design. Thank you, as always, for listening to this episode of the Book Wars Pod. For Kristen and Miranda, I'm Chris, and we will see you next week. Kate, please come back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really sad Miranda didn't do her, like, sad, like, clown air horn like she did last week. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 